And we're going to begin at verse 14, Matthew chapter 9 in verse 14. There was a minor dispute that arose over the topic of fasting. Jesus and his disciples did not fast in the manner that the Pharisees thought they ought to. And so there was a a question that came, and that's where our our text is going to begin today. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14, it says this, The disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled, the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved." Wow. Let's, uh, let's read and let's ask the Lord's hand over this message as we open it today. Mighty God, I just thank you for your word. I just ask, Lord, even right now that you would speak to our hearts and you would change our lives. Lord, help us in this season as we come into the new year, as, as many of us come into this time of fasting and prayer. I ask that you would, Lord, speak to us. Help us to understand what you were communicating even when you shared about this. And God, I just pray. That even the same way that you spoke to me, you would help me to communicate with the listener today. Almighty God, bless our time as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. (laughs) Did you guys enjoy good food over over Christmas, over Thanksgiving? You know, sometimes as uh, as we look at the topic of fasting... We might have this idea like, well, why, why are we fasting? Is there, is there something wrong with food? I've, I've heard people like, I, I won't even say who, there's a very prominent teacher out there, one who I actually love a lot. He said, food should be nothing more than fuel for your body. And I say, phooey on that. There's things that I like. And there's things that I believe, in fact, I think that God has given us many things to be enjoyed in this life. I mean, we live in in one of the most beautiful places, maybe the most beautiful place on the planet. Don't you guys agree? I mean, you just look at the ocean, look at the, look at the sea life, you even look at the mountains, Uh, even this last week, seeing some of the pictures of that eruption. I mean, it's, uh, the power of that is sobering but the beauty of it is incredible and I think you know you just think about this think about something as simple as color what color shirt is your neighbor wearing or dress or whatever I'm wearing a mustard this morning and you know I think even color was given to us for enjoyment you know God could have just made everything on the planet brown And, uh, you know, just let everything be plain and let everything just be red. But God has given us even even color in things. I mean, how many of you prefer one color over another? 
I mean, most of you come in looking pretty nice and, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're pretty matched and uh, hallelujah, even on Christmas Eve, I watched everybody in, in matching sweaters and, uh, and I've seen your pictures of your, your matching pajamas. My wife got us matching PJs. In fact, we had a number of families over, uh, some of our staff on Christmas, and, and she requested that everybody wear PJs. And so, uh, you know, we did that. Why? It's just just to enjoy, just to have fun. Did you know that God has given us food for enjoyment? Did you know that? It's, it says in Genesis 1.30, I always use this, I share this with vegans, okay, that he gave every beast of the earth, every bird of the air, every creeping thing, every green herb for food. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Hallelujah. So don't feel bad when you're enjoying a chicken dinner. Poor chicken. No, no he gave that for food. Now, I agree. Uh, in fact, C.S. Lewis has a theology. He talks about like these higher intelligence animals. I'm not with the Filipinos on eating dogs. But, you know, whatever. So, but veggies, you have fruits and meat and nuts and herbs and spices. God has given all of these things. And some of them you enjoy and some of them you will not. In fact, my wife made me meatloaf last night. Oh, my goodness. I love meatloaf. But my son, I watched him. He takes his first bite of meatloaf. And uh, I don't know if he'd ever had meatloaf before that. And uh, the look on his face, that's not going to be the dish that he requests from from. You know, he'd just as soon have McDonald's every day. But I love, does anybody love food? Do we got any foodies in the house? All right. That's good. That's fine. And I think it's biblical. Think about even, even a, when, when Abraham was visited by God and two angels, do you remember what they did? They ate together. Hey, let us come in. I mean, here's, so, so I think there's hope. We're going to eat when we get to heaven, by the way. It's going to be wonderful. In, in the early church, how often do you read? They were fellowshipping from house to house, and it constantly says that they were eating. They were breaking bread, and they were enjoying food together. In John 21, the Bible talks about how after Jesus had been resurrected, the disciples were out, they were fishing, and Jesus shows up on the beach. Anybody remember what he was doing? He was cooking a fish breakfast. Come on, guys. Let's eat. In Revelation 3.20, in fact, it says that he stands at the door of our life, of our heart, knocking so that he may come in and eat with us. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. In fact, even, and this is pretty sobering, I mean, not only does the Bible talk a lot about enjoying food, it even talks about, and it gives warning, one of the marks of false prophets and teachers. Did you know this? In 1 Timothy 4, it talks about how they will forbid to marry, but one of the criteria you can actually recognize a false prophet or teacher, it says, uh, forbidding foods that God has created to be received with thanksgiving by them who believe and know truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Oh my goodness. So, so listen, when you're at a friend's house and they offer you something that you may not like, it looks, ooh, that looks interesting. Listen, you better receive that with thanksgiving. 
Hallelujah. You better receive that. Now, I share this because as we enter into this time of prayer and fasting, I don't want you to think, I don't want you to get the idea that food is some horrible evil that I'm trying to deprive myself of. I'm trying to beat my appetite into submission. And and really, truly, honestly, I don't want you even looking at this time of prayer and fasting. You may be like me and you've grown over 2020. (laughs) It's funny. I look at pictures of us a year ago and pictures of us today. I'm not going to say us. I'll say me because my wife is beautiful and I want to eat lunch later on. Uh, so, but I, I look at myself and I'm like, what has happened this year? Oh my goodness. So, but listen, fasting, I don't want you looking at this thing just as a diet. Okay, this is not if if we approach this, oh boy, I'm so excited to lose weight. We're going to miss the power of fasting. And so Jesus in in Matthew 6, he makes some remarks about fasting. Now, some of you might be wondering, well, why do I got to fast? Should I fast? Do do I need to participate in this fast? Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you fast. Not if you fast, he says when you fast. And you'll notice that in the same passage, you can read it, it's in Matthew 6, the same place we have the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray. Now, do you ever question, should I pray? No, every one of us knows. As a believer, I'm t- even unbelievers will pray at times. It's just, it's natural. As a Christian, we know we pray. Hallelujah. It says when you give or when you do good deeds. These are all things that it's just assumed it's a part of the Christian life. But right in the middle of that, it says when you fast. And so I want to challenge each and every person here today. As we come into this new year, maybe you've never fasted seriously in your life. Maybe you have, and, and, and you've even lost some of the weight of this. I'm t- God really challenged me this last week. I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp and a pretty good theology about fasting, but he even showed me some new things, uh, which I'm going to share with you today, and I hope it's going to bless you, but we're going we're gonna to see some awesome things in fasting. So I'm going to give you this morning four reasons for fasting, four reasons for fasting, Okay. Number one, we fast for priority. We fast for priority. And I want you to write down, so I'm giving you, because I want you to understand. I I know I could make this sound clever and polished, but at the end of the day, I want you remembering and understanding what I'm talking about. I've got four R words for you, but I'm giving you kind of what it is I'm talking about. So we fast for priority, and I want you to write down this word next to that. Reorient. Reorient. O-R-I-E-N-T. You know what reorient means, right? It means to change focus or direction. It means to find your position again. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had uh, your phone. Uh, you guys remember the days like before GPS? We were watching a a Christmas movie this last week. I don't remember exactly what it was, but this family pulled out a map, and they were trying to find where they were going. It was like a 90s movie, trying to use a map, finding where they were supposed to. Anybody remember those days? My kids will never know the pain of that or, or having to stop in a gas station to ask for directions. They'll never know what that's like. Why? Because they got Siri who tells them 
everywhere to go. It's going to warn them if the place is closed before they get there. It's going to tell them if they miss a turn, it'll tell them redirecting. But I used to have, when, it, you know, when the technology was new, they had those, uh, those big, you remember the big chunky GPS things? Every time you'd take a wrong turn, it would say reorienting, reorienting. And boy, that thing would just spike instant stress and irritation in my life because you knew that you missed the turn. Reorienting. But it was necessary because sometimes you get off track. Today it'll just tell you to take a U-turn or it'll redirect and it'll take you down another road. But there is a reorienting that needs to, to, that needs to happen very often in our lives. I feel like that we, even as believers, there should be a continual reorientation, if you will, in our lives, in our walk with God. Because how many understand your path is not perfect yet? You're not all that you are supposed to be yet. We're all people in process, and God is constantly going to be changed. And there's going to be things that break off of your life, that, that need to come off of your life, and there's moments where we need to kind of reevaluate. Okay, well, now what do I do with that time that I have? Now what do I do now that that relationship is gone? Now what do I do now that this addiction is gone? This used to consume my time. What do I do with that? Those are reorientation moments. These are moments where we check our priorities. And part of the reason that we fast, I want you to hear me on this. Food is a gift. Hallelujah. But sometimes our gifts can become God's. Sometimes our gifts can become God's. I believe this is why Abraham, for example, was, was challenged to give his son Isaac as a sacrifice. You imagine contending and believing and praying and declaring for a hundred years that you are going to have a son. And finally, after all that time, God gives you your miracle. You have a son. He's your pride. He's your joy. He's your everything. And there's moments where a gift that has come from the hand of God could become a God that dominates your life. I believe this is the reason that Abraham was challenged. Let's see if I am more important to you than the gift that I have given you. He challenged him, and we know the story. He took his son. He carried the wood. They went up on the mountain, and just before Abraham was going to make that sacrifice, the Lord saw that he was willing to do that. He stopped him and provided a ram for him, a, 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 a substitute for that sacrifice. Abraham passed the test. That right there was a moment of reorientation. You imagine Abraham now, okay, Lord, thank you for the gift that you've given me. But you, you are the provider. You are my God. You are my everything. And so this, I believe, is what the Lord is challenging us. And this is what I, even as we approach fasting and prayer. Now, some of you may wonder, like my, my wife made mention, one of the things that we're going to be cutting out during this time is, is media. Um, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna stop our, you know, watching TV over these days. No video games. Praise God, movies, all that kind of stuff is gonna. We're, we're gonna stop. And you might say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about a television fast. No, it doesn't. But let me just, I'm gonna help you out here. 
We need to make sure that gifts from God don't become gods in our life. And one of the things that I I would just challenge you, did you know most people don't get off track and need to reorient because of some huge scandal in their life? Most people, yeah, I backslid when I murdered that guy in cold blood. Most people don't have that testimony, you understand. No, somebody offended me, and now I'm angry at them, and it's been a slow process of growing hard and angry and bitter and hateful and resentful. Now I don't open up to people. It's a, it's a long process, not some huge scandal that hits the scene. In fact, I would even submit to you, most people, most people don't end up stumbling into you know, horrible sexual immorality, but part of our challenge is how much time do we spend? How many hours will we binge watch Netflix? How much time do we spend doing other things? And, and, and listen to me, guys. I, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay with video games. Praise God. I play video games. I, I'm okay with watching movies, uh, you know, and we... we, we filter our movies. We make sure that they're appropriate and clean. We go and focus on the family. We count how many cuss words are in the movie before we watch them. I mean, we do that kind of stuff. That may seem religious and overkill to you, but I want to guard my children. I want to make sure that they're not being defiled by what comes across the screen. But we enjoy sitting down as a family and watching things together. You understand? I believe there is, I mean, I I love social media. I love being able to connect with family and friends and and watch a message and do all of those things. I, I think it's wonderful. I'm okay. All of those things, hear me, can be gifts, but we need to make sure that good gifts in our life do not become gods. You say, well, pastor, is that anywhere in Scripture? Yeah, it's a few places in Scripture. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus actually gives a parable in Luke 14 about a, a wedding feast that has been prepared. And that wedding feast represents, he says, go and invite people to come in. We've prepared the wedding feast. It's this picture of salvation. It's this picture of coming in fellowship with God. You can have relationship with him. We can go to heaven with him. And as the parable goes, these, these disciples begin to go out and say, hey, come, we've got, a, we've got a wedding feast that's been prepared, and you're invited, you're on the guest list. And do you remember? Oh, hear me on this, friend. None of the reasons that people missed the marriage supper, none of the reasons that people missed that banquet were sin. They missed because you know what, I I just bought a piece of property and I need to go look at it. Another guy says, you know what, I just bought some some oxen and we were going to go work in the fields today. Another one says, well, I just got married. We're going to go on our honeymoon. I want to enjoy my wife. None of those were reasons to miss a banquet. Like, like you're going to go look at the land again? You bought the land. You looked at the land. You know what the land looks like. Go to the banquet, then go look at your land. Nobody buys oxen without knowing how the oxen are. No, they had already seen and tested the oxen. Go to the banquet, then go to work. There's no reason. Bring your wife with you to the banquet, right? There's no reason. All of these reasons that they were busy and made excuses, listen, were gifts. How many know a godly spouse 
is a gift. How many understand the ability to, to work and provide for your family? That's a gift. How many understand it's a gift to be able to buy a pre- piece of property and to develop land? I mean, that is a gift. All of these things were good things and things that God would desire to bless anybody with. And it would never be wrong. But if it becomes something that dominates and keeps us away from the wedding feast, I'm telling you, that gift has become a God in our life. This is the reason I believe we fast. It's not saying, you know what, I'm I'm getting off of TV because it's a sin. No, I'm not saying that. No. Fellowship around a movie can be a wonderful thing. I get inspired watching superheroes, man. I just feel like I can go and conquer the world after I watch Batman for a little bit. It's wonderful. I enjoy it with my kids. We watch Star Wars, all that. We enjoy that kind of stuff, right? Mandalorian, anybody, this is the way. Yeah, I love it. And, uh, you know, we enjoy that kind of stuff. But has there ever been a moment where the Lord has prodded my heart and, hey, hey, come and pray with me. Come and study with me or, or go spend time with a family and instead I'm watching Mandalorian. Oh, God, Fridays, you know, that's, that's Mando release day. I'm not. You guys understand what I'm saying today. Would the Lord challenge us to lay some things down and say, God, just for this season, I'm going to set it down. I'm going to check my priorities. I'm going to reorient and be sure that my priorities are in order. That's the first reason I believe that we need to fast. Now, that was, that was the main one. If you get anything, get that one because I think that's going to help you. But there's a couple other reasons I want to give you uh, that we ought to fast. Number two, the reason we fast, oh, this is a good one too. Remember this one too, okay? Will you just remember them all? (laughs) We fast, write this down, for mourning. We fast for mourning. Yeah, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. What in the world is that about? We fast for mourning. And this is what I want you to write down. I've given you four R words. I want you to write down the word return. Return. I want you to look again at the text that we began with, Matthew chapter 9. The disciples of John came to Jesus. Why do the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away, and then they will fast. You understand, Jesus, in fact, people criticize Jesus, you know, Jesus, you guys are are like party animals. You guys are eating and drinking all the time. And they were comparing him to John, but they said that they were overkill because they never ate and drank. And uh, and Jesus is like, people are going to criticize us no matter what we do. But he gives the reason here for why we ought to fast. While I'm here, guess what? We're celebrating because the groom is with the bride. But there's going to be a time where I'm not. And there's going to be this cry. In fact, there should be a cry on the inside of every one of us that says, Jesus, we want you to return. That should be the yearning of every person within the sound of my voice. And and, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this. We had a a number of of students who were over at our house a couple weeks ago. And uh, we were just telling missionary stories. And I was telling them I, I went to Egypt, I think in 2017, to Egypt, and uh, man, that was an awesome trip. 
I, I loved it. I, you know, just to, to be in this place where it's 98% Muslim. And to see the power of God come, to see demons cast out, to see hearts turn to Jesus. I mean, these guys, I'll never forget this guy. He drove us on the, on the bus everywhere that we went. And I, I'll never forget this moment. He came into one of our church services. He'd been driving us all around meeting to meeting. And finally, he stepped into one of our church meetings. And uh, during that service, it was wild. We had, there was a lady in the service who began to manifest demons. Different voices coming out of her, even had blood on one occasion that came out of her eyes. I mean, it was a freaky encounter. But we ended up casting the demon out of that woman. She completely was set free. And this Muslim bus driver was in the back of the room watching the whole time. We get back out to the bus after the service is ended. And he asks us, he tells us, he says, my daughter is on her deathbed at home. Do you think that you could pray one of your special prayers to Jesus that God would heal her? We said, of course we will. We prayed with him. We believed with him. I don't, I don't know what happened there, but we prayed and had faith for the daughter. And as soon as we finished praying, he then looks at us and he says, do you think that I could get one of your books of scripture? Could I get one of your Bibles? Absolutely. We went and we got him a brand new Bible in his language. And guys, you should have seen. He grabbed that Bible. He hugged that Bible. He kissed that Bible. You understand, punishable by death for a Muslim to convert to Christianity. But here's this man. And I, I, I look at moments like that. Oh, it was so powerful. I loved it. But can I tell you, as awesome as that was, I was miserable almost my entire trip in Egypt. You want to know why? I did not have my wife and I did not have my kids with me on that trip. Remember, as the days would go by, I just had this growing heartache on the inside of me. I mean, it literally, some of you, some of you might think that I'm crazy talking like this, but I literally felt sick at moments missing my family. And I'll never forget, we were on the last day of the trip. And on the last day, I mean, we worked our brains out. The last day of the trip where we went to the Red Sea. There's a resort there real close to where Moses and the children of Israel crossed over. And uh, I hated it. Everybody was enjoying. They had jet skis and all kinds of stuff. And I just, sat on the, I just sat on the beach, watched the water, and just was like pouting. I was just missing my family so much. So finally we get home and oh, the glory of returning back to my bride and to my children. And you know, I'm telling these stories to students, all of them unmarried. And I remember one young man, he looks at me and he's like, wow, how many months were you gone? And I'm like, oh no, I was, I was only gone 10 days. They all started laughing at me. They're like, oh, man, I thought you spent like half a year overseas and couldn't contact your wife. No, I was gone for like a week. And it really broke my heart, you know. But I just, you know, some of you, as you grow in your relationship with your spouse or with your kids, you understand that kind of heartache. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, there is a reason that the Bible makes a comparison to the bridegroom and the bride, the, the lover of the bride and 
the groom who is yet to come. There, there should be this heartache on the inside of us. It's, you know what? I, I enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I enjoy fellowship with the body of Christ. But there's something on the inside of me that says, Jesus, Jesus, I cannot wait until we are reunited for real. I understand we have a sense of his presence and I have the hope of salvation and I've got, yeah, the love of Christ in my heart, but there's a time where for real we're going to be reunited. I mean, I'm going to be able to give Jesus a hug if he lets me. You know, I think he will. For real, we're going to be This is why Revelation 20.20, the Spirit which is with us and the bride continually cry, Come, come, Lord Jesus. Luke 18, 7 and 8 says, God will avenge His elect who cry out day and night to Him, although He tarries. There's this crying out continually that, yes, God, you've got things to do in the earth. And yes, I've got an assignment in the world, but God, would you come back? Lord, will you return soon they're crying out. Even in Matthew 6.10, we ought to pray. Every day I take the Lord's Prayer and I pray, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. There is an aspect in which we want to see the kingdom of God here on the earth, but there's also an understanding that, guys, one day for real, Jesus is going to come back. Heaven on earth. We're going to experience for all eternity. We don't have that yet. One day we will. We ought to cry out for it. You might say, Pastor, I don't feel that way at all. That's okay. This is what I want to encourage you to do. Fast. (laughs) If you say, I don't feel like, my heart's not crying out for you. I don't miss Jesus. Try fasting. Really, try, try some reorientation in this moment. Try, try, you know, are you so content with the world and the life that we live that we forget what's getting ready to come? Begin to deprive yourself of some of those joys, some of those gifts. Maybe that morning will come alive on the inside of you and say, Jesus, until you come back. I will not be complete until you come back. This world will not be complete. Jesus, we long for you. So we're going to reorient. We're going to mourn for the return. Here's number three. You guys still with me? I know some of these are like hard hitting, uh, but uh, I'm just trying to help you, okay? I'm going to give you some, some fuel for your fast. Praise God. Why are we doing this? Oh, we've got some reasons now. Number three, we fast for new wine. We fast for new wine. And here's your R word that goes with that. I want you to write down the word revive. Revive. In fact, uh, we're going to make these available at the end of our service, but that's the theme of our prayer and fasting this year is revive. Revive. Well, what in the world is that talking about? I'm probably going to preach a series come January on uh, Revive. But look at what Jesus said here. Again, Matthew uh, 9.16, it says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. The patch pulls away from the garment. The tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine in old wineskins, or the wineskins will break. The wine is spilled. The wineskins are ruined. They put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved 
You know, if you dig into it, you can do the study on your own. This is actually a correction to the form of fasting the Pharisees had. Uh, The Jews were taught a certain way. In fact, there's only one corporate fast that was called for the Jews. But by the time Jesus came along, the Pharisees were calling fast for everything. Every festival, every ceremony, we got to fast, we got to fast, we got to. Jesus was trying to break that, that mold and saying, listen, that's an old system and we've got new wine that's coming. You need a new wine skin. And if you understand the wine making process, it's very fascinating. It's not like us today, sealed bottles and, and all that. What they would do is they would take a, the skin of an animal, sometimes the stomach of an animal, and they would, they would seal it at the top. You'd put the, 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 the juice, you'd put the mixture in there, and you would seal that. And what happens is over time, as that, as that grape juice begins to ferment, what happens is it, it, it's literally putting off gases that cause that skin to expand, causes it to stretch. Pressure, like we were talking about earlier, right? That's what 2020 has been, pressure building. But it's producing something. As that skin, that wine is becoming potent. That wine is, become, is becoming wine. It was juice. It was crushed grapes. Now it is becoming what it was intended to. And there comes that moment where you open that up and, and, and now it is, you know, now it is what it is supposed to be. But the problem is these guys were trying to fit some old wine or new wine rather into an old wineskin. And if you were to try and reuse that, well, guess what? It's already been stretched. It's already been used. And what happens is if you take new wine and put it in an old wineskin, it cannot contain it. It's already been exercised, already been used, and the moment it begins to stretch, if, you, if it goes beyond its limit, it'll burst. All of the wine is lost. Jesus is using this as a picture, as an illustration. There's a process that happens even as we fast. It's the reason he's connecting this with their conversation about fasting. There's going to be an expansion. There's going to be a stretching in the midst of this fasting. And there has to be something new that happens on the inside. There's literally a renewing process that happens in fasting. Did you know that? I mean, even the world is catching on to this. Uh, it's become a huge thing, intermittent fasting. You go in for surgery. Very often they ask you to fast for a number of days before. Why? Because there is a cleansing effect that fasting has on people. In fact, you begin to fast, and some of you are going to notice this. We start our fast on Sunday. If you're doing a total fast, now I'm going to, I'm going to start out with a liquid-only fast. Uh, somewhere probably after the conference, I'm going to go to, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, whatever there are meat and egg thing is uh, in the evening, uh, uh, one meal. But my goal is to, to hit at least 10 days liquid only. And, uh, you know, you, you pray about what the Lord would have you do. You can mix it up a little bit there. Um, but anyway, what's going to happen? What was I saying? Oh, here's what's going to happen. We begin our fast on Monday. And I'm telling you, even by Tuesday night, if you guys go on a liquid fast, we will already on Tuesday night begin to see the effects of this. What's it going to be? You're going to be thankful that many people are wearing masks because you will have halitosis as you begin this fasting process. Literally, I mean, you're going to begin to break out with zits on your face. 
I was reading about the side effects, and I never, I never knew this one. You ever watch, and this is gross, but you ever see like people's tongues that turn completely white and get that film on it? That will happen when you fast. In fact, your body odors will go to the next level. Praise God. Uh, as soon as your, your, your stomach, your small, your large intestines have been evacuated, hallelujah, what will happen is after another three to four days, your body will begin to go into process. Now, your stomach, your intestines are empty, but your body will literally begin to work and chisel away all the junk that is clung to the sides. You'll, you'll begin to lose weight just because you're not carrying around all of this junk on the inside of you. And what will be released, I'm trying to keep this PG, right, uh, will be like black tar, it's horrific. You'll get that about day five or six when you're fasting, if you've ever done a, a total fast. Now, some of you say, boy, that's so hard to do a fast like that. You know, there's a lot of times where I'll do like a sunup to sundown fast, and, uh, and that's good. That's what they call intermittent fasting, or traditionally they called it Jewish fast. Um, I don't, I, I'm kind of getting away from that. Here's the reason why. You break your appetite, you eat something in the evening, and what happens? Your appetite just comes to life again. And all of a sudden you're hungry and you just suffer all day until you eat again the next day. And uh, if you do a total liquid, liquid fast, after about day three you stop getting hungry. And that's wonderful. You, you just, if, if you can get over that hump, that's, that's where you want to be. But your body will begin this, this cleansing and this, this, this purifying process. Literally, your body begins to push out all of these toxins. In fact, there's proof now. They've documented moments where individuals through fasting have cured cancer. Cancer in their body cannot be uh, radiated away. Nothing will deal with it, but they go on a 21-day fast and their body literally begins to renew to the degree that it consumes that cancer. It's, it's mind-boggling. You just do some research. And again, you don't even have to look at it. It's not even a, I mean, I would give that. I would attribute that to God. But those aren't even miracle accounts. That's just part of God's design. He intended for people to fast, and there are health benefits. And what's sad is the world has grabbed onto it. Guys like Buddha would teach on fasting. Did you know? I mean, that guy doesn't look like he ever fasted. But he would teach on fasting because he knew there were benefits to it. I mean, you just look. There's so many resources. And I'm saying, you know, God taught us that like 6,000 years ago we've been practicing this. So there's, a, there's that natural cleansing. The same exact thing happens in our spirit man. You understand, have you ever started fasting? <laughs> My wife, I don't, even if she didn't know that I was fasting, she would know that I'm fasting. Because they get irritated easily. I get frustrated. I get, I, I have, like, my patience goes down to here. Why? Because my, my natural deficiencies are being brought to the surface. These things are being exposed. Why? Because God is purifying me. But one of the most beautiful things is you get a few days into the fast. You ever had that moment where you just feel like your eyes are open to the Spirit? It's like you're discerning on a, on a whole nother level. It, it, it's absolutely incredible. You, sometimes you'll read the Bible and it's like it glows in front of you. One of the most incredible things, your energy levels for a time will absolutely go through the roof because your body has been revived. That's what happened. Jesus goes into the wilderness, Luke 4. 
fasting, praying. He didn't really need cleansing because he was, uh, you know, he was holy, but he definitely came under temptation. And the Bible says in Luke 4, 14, that he returned in the power of the Spirit. So we need to fast. We need to fast for a reviving of our body and our soul. Do you want God to do something new in this new year? I'll tell you, this ought to be the reason you fast, if anything. Well, why do I fast every year? I've done some intense, I've done 40-day fasts. And God did stuff to me, showed me things. So why do I need to fast again? Because there's things that God wants to do in me today. There's things that if I want to operate in yesterday's anointing, then guess what? Yeah, I had a great 40-day fast a number of years ago. But if I want God to birth things in me, and I'm telling you, every time I've done a fast, something significant has happened. I had an angelic encounter. We saw healing miracles break out. Oh, that's when the Lord spoke to me about this transition. You know, every time you fast, the Lord begins to move. He begins to speak. There's a reviving that happens. There's new wine that is poured out. There's that expansion, that pressure, that process as we're, as we're fasting. But then God begins to birth and release something new. Here's the last thing, and, I, and I'll close with this. We fast for blessing. We fast for blessing. And here's your R word that I want you to write down. I want you to write down the word reward. Reward. Do you know it's okay to believe for rewards in the way you pursue the Lord? I've given you like 10 marriage illustrations today, so I'll just give you one more. I would not have pursued Leah McClary, date her. I didn't have much money, so, you know, our, our dates were like, you know, <laughs> pizza from my buddy who worked at the pizza place. I get it for free or, uh, you know, go buy uh, uh, airheads. That was our date. We get airheads and, and ICs. Quick stop. You guys ever heard of quick stop? Uh, they don't have them here. Or quick trip. Quick trip. And uh, anyway, you can go there and they got like 10 cent airheads in less than, a, I mean, we'd spend $2 on a date. Hallelujah. I would not have made that. That makes me sound like a cheapskate, doesn't it? So I also paid her school bill, which was thousands of dollars. So, uh, you know, we, uh, but I would not have made that investment of time and in, in, in my resources, my finances, I would not have made that investment if I did not expect that I would be rewarded with her love, with her affection, a relationship. You understand, there's, there's a reason that I, you know, I, I, I invest into this because I believe that I'm going to be rewarded through the process. I'm not going to waste time. If I thought, man, this, this girl's going to give me, you know, man, she's just going to push me off. She's not going to let me, you know, pursue her at all. I'm not going to invest in that. I'm not going to give in to that. Jesus said, you look at all those, those examples he gave in Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, when you fast, when you give. When you serve, and in every single one of those things, he, he kind of tags it with this. Don't make it a public spectacle, right? And I, I want you to understand, like, if somebody finds out your fasting, that doesn't mean that you've, like, blown your whole fast. You understand? What he's talking about is don't do this thing for your glory. If you just, like, if you get real tired on, like, day five of your fast and, 
I'm so tired from fasting, and you take a selfie of yourself while you're doing that. Guess what? People are going to feel sorry for you. Wow, they must be so godly, so spiritual. Jesus says, you already received your reward. But he said, if you let this be between me and you, then your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You go into your closet and pray, not, oh, in public, you know, on street corners, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, in vain repetition so everybody can see you. No, he said, go into your closet, pray in secret, and your Father who sees you praying in secret will reward you. When you give, when you do good, and this used to irritate me in homeless ministry. We'd have all kinds of people that would come and they'd bring their food to go bless the homeless. But as soon as they, they give their, their plate, take a picture. I'll tell you, that stuff irritate me, man. Why? He said, when you're generous like that, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. And your father who sees your generosity, he will reward you openly. You know what happens? You take a selfie of the good deed that you did. Somebody's going to clap for you. Somebody's, wow, they're so nice. I got 100 likes on Instagram. You got your reward. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help you, okay? God keeps good record. Because there's going to be a day where you and I stand before him on judgment day. He's going to say, those hours that you spent praying, you didn't brag about it. You didn't post about it. I'm going to reward you now. He's going to shout it. All is going to be made known. I tell you, all the saints through all the ages, they're going to know how you were generous. They're going to know how you fasted. They're going to know how you prayed. They're going to know how you gave. And God will reward you. He said, you can't even give a cup of water to a man of God and me not reward you. You guys think, man, we have some of these work days, and you're like, who's paying attention to this? Really? i got to go stand out in the sun and wave a sign for Jonathan? Oh, I don't want to do that. No. If you can't give a cup of water without being rewarded, you think that God's not keeping track when you sit in a room with screaming babies for two hours? He keeps track. He knows how you serve. He knows what you do. And he will reward you. And it's okay to expect a reward from our Father. Wow. So we fast for blessing. We fast for a reward. And it's okay. I don't have time to go in. In fact, I think next week I'm going to talk about some of the blessings, some of the rewards of fasting. But uh, what I want to do as we prepare to close, we're going to pray. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. But I would like, I didn't warn my ushers. Donovan and Kama, could you guys help me out here, uh, Seth? Uh, We've got these on the back table. They're on the back table right here. I want everybody to get one of these uh, cards right now. 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want everybody to get one of these. And uh, the reason that I want you, now we're not going to turn these in today because what I want you to do, in fact, my wife and I, we already said, we're going to go home today and we're going to discuss with our family exactly what it is that we're fasting and what it is that we're believing for. Okay? And I want you to do that. I want you to decide, and it gives you some options on here, you know, full or liquid fast. Um, Daniel means no meats or dessert right um 
or other. I know some of you, you may have, you know, diabetes or, uh, you know, maybe you're on a strict diet for whatever reason. Uh, and I understand not everybody can fast food, but you can fast something. You can sacrifice something, okay? And uh, do something that's meaningful to you. Or I'm going to fast cottage cheese. You never eat cottage cheese. No, I just do something that you're going to feel, all right? It's just, okay? So you fast other and you can put, you know, whatever. Whatever you want. I don't, I've given you several examples today. So I want you to take that home. I want you to write it down. And uh, somewhere, I'd encourage you, get a journal uh, or, or start a section. Maybe you do it in your phone or something. Start a section of notes and write down, Lord, this is what I'm believing for. I, I need breakthrough in this area. Guys, we've seen healing break out because of fasting. We've seen debt eradicated because of fasting. I mean, God can do crazy stuff, you understand. I want to see my family saved, and I'm going to fast. I'm not going to eat anything until my brother comes back to the Lord, right? You just you show God you're serious about this. You, so make some goals, something that's measurable, something you can praise God for when it's done. Okay? So you take that home. You pray about it. Would you stand? I'm going to, I'm going to bless us. We're going to pray. God's going to speak to us. 2021 is going to be a great year. Do you believe it? Hallelujah. Wow. Lord, I, I just lift this people to you. Lord, every person within the sound of my voice, those who are watching online, God, I know you desire to do a, a deep in an authentic work in each and every one of our lives. And God, I just ask that even as we look this week, as we, as we consider, as we, as we seek you as to what our fast should look like and even some goals, things that we ought to pray and believe for during this time and season, God, I just, I pray that you'll speak. Give us clarity, Lord. What are the things that we need to keep in check, God? Are there, are there things that may have been good at a time, but have become gods in our life? Are there things that we need to bring down a notch and make sure that you are Lord over them? God, God are there areas that we're off track in our life? We need to reorient. We need to get back on track with you. Lord, are, are, are there things in our life that we need to have purified and, and we need to have eliminated from us? God, I just ask. All of these things you would speak to us, that you would help us. Help us, Lord. Give us great clarity. Oh, Jesus. Come on, the Bible says that if we would confess Jesus as our Lord and we would believe in our heart he was raised from the dead, we would be saved. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you say, you know, Pastor, I've not even become a part of that bride. I don't have the expectancy of the return of Christ, but I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know my sins are forgiven. I want to know that my hope is in heaven. I want to know that my sins have been washed away. The Bible says we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. And I want to lead us in that declaration right now. Everybody, would you just pray this right out loud with me? Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me of my sin. Make me whiter than snow. 
I give myself to you. I ask you, be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Be my very best friend. Come live your life through me. I ask you, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Anoint me for your purposes. Use me for your glory and for your namesake. Jesus, help me to live a life that honors you. And I know you will reward me. You will bless me. You will walk with me in all that I say and do. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for being my God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.